Welcome to Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. Thank you for joining us as we listen to another message from Pastor Daniel Shirley. Hallelujah. Well, I've got some exciting things to share with you from God's Word. Anybody been enjoying the, the uh, series, getting anything out of the series on Righteous Brothers? Praise God. Few of you have. I, I trust that there's actually more than a man that, but uh, uh, because I know this is good stuff, not because I'm saying it, but because God said it. Hallelujah. Praise God. So we're going to dig into the Word of God, and we're going to look into this topic once again on the, the Righteous Brothers. And also, if you are, if you came in here today, uh, and maybe you noticed there were no signs in Word of Life Church that says, please turn off your cell phones. Now, I appreciate that you don't get calls during church and, you know, and answer those and, and, and that kind of thing. I appreciate that. But, uh, you know, we want you to use your phones. For one thing, we've got uh, my sermon outline is uploaded onto uh, the Uversion app, and so you can follow along with the outline. You can email that to yourself and have that for, for study later. Uh, and so if you have the Uversion app on your phone or on your tablet, uh, you can log on, uh, search events, search 88220, and you'll find my outline there. Um, and then also, uh, if something is said that really helps you, it's okay, just go ahead and send a text out and, and, and uh, encourage someone else with, hey, this is what I just heard, you know, and send that out and become, let, let, let's make this interactive, praise God. And so, um, you know, it's, uh, we, we talked about our online broadcast, and I've said this many times in, in uh, recent months and, and all, and that is that if, if there is a technology that improves my ability to get the gospel out and to, to spread the gospel effectively, and I refuse to use it, then shame on me. You know, uh, now if you don't do Facebook, that's all right. There's, there's no problem with that, but, uh, um, and that's not what I'm saying, but if you've got something that's available to you, that enhances your ability to spread the gospel and you just refuse to use it, um, then, you know, uh, maybe reconsider that. You know, I, there's a whole lot on Facebook that's no good. There's a whole lot on, on the Internet. There's a whole lot on social media of all kinds that, uh, that is trash. How about let's redeem it? Praise God. How about let's buy up every opportunity, which is what the scripture says. Let's buy up every opportunity. Praise God. And so, um, you know, you won't hear any sermons from me against Facebook. What you'll hear me say is make a covenant between you and the Lord that you will never, ever, ever post something or be a part of something on Facebook that dishonors the Lord. Praise God. And, uh, you know, if, if Christian people will make that kind of a commitment, then Facebook can be a powerful tool. Facebook, Twitter, uh, Vimeo, YouTube, all these uh, 
different mediums that we have, praise God. Um, so anyway, we're going to get into our message today on, on uh, Righteous Brothers. And uh, we've been beginning with a passage in 1 John chapter 3. Go there right after we make our confession of faith. Say with me, Father, I thank you for your word. Your word is spirit and life to me. I believe with all my heart that your word, sown in good ground, produces good fruit. Father, I am good ground for your word. I'm a doer of the word, not a hearer only. And I am blessed in my deeds. And I rejoice today, Father, because you sent the Holy Spirit to reveal truth to me. So I call on you today, Holy Spirit, to do your work in my life. I'll receive truth, act upon it, be changed by it, and I will never be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Praise God. 1 John chapter 3, verse number 1 says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore the world does not know us because it did not know him. Notice what it says. He bestowed his love upon us in order that we might be, be the children of God. Hallelujah. Now, I want to begin to talk about something today. And I, I, um, there, there's some revelation that I'm going to share with you today. Some things that... that uh, um, has been stirring in my heart. In fact, uh, a couple of years ago, in fact, it's, I think it's probably been longer than that, probably more like three or four years ago, I got a hold of a book by Joseph Prince uh, called The Benjamin Generation. And it was some powerful, powerful revelation in that book. And it's been stirring in my heart, and I've been wanting to share it uh, ever since I read it. And... Uh, uh, you know, how many know that, that the Lord didn't give a revelation to Joseph Prince? He gave a revelation to the body of Christ. Amen. Praise God. And so, therefore, as a member of the body of Christ, uh, you know, I have the privilege of being able to draw some things. In fact, everything I share with you is, you know, probably 80% of it is something I heard somebody else say. You know, I've, I've been a... Uh, a believer for goodness, I'm for 53 years. Well, you know, I mean, I was seven years old when I accepted Jesus as my Savior, and uh, so I, I've been in this thing for a long, long time. So I've heard a whole lot of things, and uh, and it's all right to share some things that we've heard from someone else. Praise God! And so, uh, you know the. The, the thing that he talked about here, the Benjamin generation, we all know who Benjamin was, right? Okay, maybe you don't. Benjamin was one of the, was the youngest son of Jacob. And if you read uh, in, in the, the, from about chapter, oh goodness, uh, oh, where do we begin? In, in Genesis, probably around uh, chapter 27, something like that. The whole story begins of, of Abraham's life and, and, and comes on into Isaac and Jacob and, and Jacob's sons and, and, and the children of Israel going into Egypt. And, and, and then uh, we begin the, 
the very next book of the Bible, Exodus, begins with the coming out of Egypt, and uh, uh, which is a type of coming out of, of, of sin, coming out of the world. And so um, uh, Benjamin, the youngest son of Jacob, um, actually Jacob had 12 sons, and um, <clears throat> 10 of the sons were born to the one, uh, to those who were, were never, who, who, well, let me just say it this way. They, they were born to uh, Leah and to two of the uh, maidservants, of Leah's maidservant and Rachel's maidservant, but uh, none of the three of them were ever the one that Jacob actually wanted for a wife. And if you read the story, Jacob actually loved Rachel, and Rachel was the one that he wanted for his wife. And as the story goes that he um, was on the run, and he came across some people that were, uh, you know, herding, uh, they were sheep herders and, and uh, uh, goat herders, and, and he came across them, and he kind of connected with them, and, and uh, the man's name was Laban, and he had uh, a couple of daughters, and the, the youngest daughter was named Rachel, uh, the oldest daughter was Leah, and um, he wanted to marry Rachel. Rachel was beautiful. The Bible says that Rachel was beautiful. It says that Leah's eyes were weak. I'm not sure what that means exactly, that her eyes were weak, but, but that's what the Scripture says. And so, uh, anyway, um, he made a deal with Laban that he would serve him for seven years so that he could marry Rachel. Well, at the end of the seven years, there was a wedding, but he woke up the next morning after wedding day, and he found out he married the wrong woman, and uh, that he had actually married Leah instead, and, and Laban's excuse was, well, you know, Rachel was the younger, and it was it wouldn't be right for the younger to marry before the older. And so um, he said, well, if you'll serve me for another seven years, then you can have Rachel as a wife. So he went through with that. And um, so we're going to begin to talk about, uh, about that. Now, uh, Leah actually bore six sons, to, uh, to Jacob, Rachel's maid bore two sons to Jacob, Leah's maid, uh, let's see, I believe Rachel's maid's name was Billa, and, and Leah's maid's name was Zilpah, and each of them bore two sons each, so that brings us to ten sons, and then after there were ten sons, then Rachel finally was able to bear two sons to Jacob. And uh, the youngest of those was Benjamin. 
And, and we're going to be talking about the two sons of Rachel. We're going to talk about Joseph as well. Joseph was the next to the youngest son of Jacob. Um, the first son born to, uh, to Rachel. But um, Leah, the name Leah, and, and, and this is very important because uh, both Leah and Rachel are very, uh, are very much types and shadows of things that were to come. Praise God. And so the name Leah is very important. It means disgusted, faint, grieve, loathe, or weary. Now, how would you like to be named weary or loathed or disgusted? You know, I mean, what in the world were her parents thinking is what I'm saying. You know, why would you... Why would you speak something like that over your child? But nonetheless, that was the meaning of Leah's name. Uh, and, and notice this part, the, the, the last part of that definition was weary. And it made me think of this in, in Matthew chapter 11, verse number 28, in the, in the New American Standard translation. It says, Come unto me, all you who are weary. Now, other translations say who labor. Uh, but how many know labor can make you weary? All right. So um, he says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now, Leah was not what Jacob expected to get. Um in Luke chapter 10, verse number 30, let's, before I read this, I want to say that Leah is a type and a shadow of self-effort. Leah is a type of the law, which is self-effort. You keep the law. You work hard to keep the law. You work hard to please God and and, and you become, this is why, this is the context in which Jesus was talking about this when he said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. All of those who, who are working hard and struggling and striving to be pleasing to God, he said, come to me. See, by coming to Jesus, we find rest for our self-effort. Praise God. And... Uh, in Luke chapter 10, verse number 30, Jesus gives us a parable here. It says, he answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, now I want you to notice this part. I've, I've, I've preached a lot from this passage of Scripture, but I want to just pull out one just little piece of this today and, and expound on this a little bit. He says, now by chance, notice that those three words, now by chance, a certain priest came down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. Now, in this passage of Scripture, Jesus is using the priest and the Levite to talk about the law. 
And he says that because the priest represented the, the law, the Levite was, the, you know, the Levitical priesthood. So he's, he's talking about the law there. And so he says that the priest and the Levite came by. They looked at the man and saw him. The man on the side of the road was us. And he says that, that he came and he looked and he saw him. He, but, but notice this, he came by chance. As we go further, we find that there was a Samaritan that came by. And it's, it says it a little bit different when it talks about the Samaritan. It says the Samaritan was on a journey. In other words, the Samaritan came by with a very specific purpose that he, he was headed somewhere. But the priest and the Levite came by chance. Now, how many know that the law was not God's preferred way to deal with man? It was not God's first choice. It was not his, what he preferred and what he had ordained as his method of dealing with man. In fact, you know, all the way from Adam through Noah through uh you know, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, you know, all the way down until Moses, there was no law. So for, for hundreds and hundreds of years, there was no law. God dealt with man on a basis of grace. You say, well, how could, uh, you know, we, we, we look at that, how could there be no law? I mean, we, we look at Abraham Abraham was a, was a lawbreaker, if there had been a law. But since there was no law, sin is not imputed where there's no law. It's not counted where there's no law. That's what the Scripture tells us. And so Abraham, though he, uh, though Abraham was, you know, he, he was a liar. You know, I mean... Abraham was, was, was a deceiver. Abraham, um, you know, he, he was married to his half-sister. And he told Pharaoh and Abimelech, he said, this, this, is, my, this is my sister, well, which was half-truth. Was, was, his statement was intended to deceive both Pharaoh and Abimelech. And so we can point to Abraham, and yet he was called the friend of God. Praise God. We can go to the others. We can find Jacob. Jacob was a deceiver. Isaac pulled the same thing that, that Abraham pulled. You know, Isaac, Abraham's son, pulled the very same thing. He went down to Abimelech and uh, gave his wife to be Abimelech's part of his harem, you know, so we, we can see that, you know, these guys, it wasn't like they never did anything wrong. But yet Abraham is called the father of faith. You know, he is called those who are of the seed of Abraham are blessed. Those who are of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. So he calls him faithful. Now, how could that be when he did all of these things when he, when he broke all of these commandments, when he broke all of these laws, well, there was no law. So, therefore, it was not counted. But God preferred, you know, he, Abraham wasn't struck dead for any of those things. Isaac, Jacob, none of them died for any of those things. 
but um, because there was no law, so therefore they were not punished as lawbreakers. Now, let's go on and and let's look at this. Um, The law came along by chance, by chance. You see, Moses, the, the children of Israel, God wanted to talk to the children of Israel and he wanted to speak to them from the mountain and they said, Moses, why don't you go up there on the mountain and hear what God has to say and then you come back and tell us and whatever he says to do, we'll do it. And so uh, Moses went up on the mountain. God wanted to, to deal directly with the children of Israel. He wanted to deal with them directly, but they instead chose to go through Moses and have Moses go get the the law and the commandments, and, and, and they told him, whatever God says to do, we will do it. Yet, by the time Moses got back into the camp, they had already broken commandment number one. And so... Um, you know, the law came along. It was never God's intention. And Leah was a type of the law. She was not Jacob's choice. Jacob was deceived into marrying Leah. You say, how is it that he could marry the wrong girl? Now, Here's how that works, that that he married the wrong girl. In his haste, Jacob failed to unveil the bride. He didn't lift the veil. That's why in in wedding ceremonies today, the, the minister will say, you may kiss your bride. You have to lift the veil to kiss the bride. And the symbolism of that is to make sure that the one you have married, before you consummate this marriage, make sure the one you married is the one you intended to marry. And that comes from, maybe you never knew that that came from this this incident right here. And uh, make sure, guys, make sure you marry the right one. Okay? Don't decide later. You know, Jacob woke up the next day and figured out that he had married the wrong one. So don't decide later that you married the wrong one. No, if, if you married the wrong one, then you are married to the wrong one. Praise God. Now, in uh, first, excuse me, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 14, notice this. It says, But their minds, he's talking about the Jews, he said, their minds were blinded for until the day, uh, until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. This is what he's talking about. You see, when we fail to look at and understand what the what the law is. You see, you don't want many, many Christians want to be under the law, but if they really look at the law, if they'll lift the veil, 
in Christ and they'll see that they don't want to, you, you wouldn't want to be under the law if you understood what the law was all about. Because the law says that if you break even one commandment, is there anybody in here that has never broken even one commandment ever? Okay, thank you for not lying. Because then you would have broken one of the commandments, okay? But, uh, you know, if, if you have broken even one commandment, the Bible says you are guilty of all. In other words, you have sinned, and the wages of sin is death. Now, thank God somebody paid the wages for us. Hallelujah. Somebody actually died as our punishment for our breaking the commandments. But notice here, he says, that the veil is taken away in Christ. When we begin to see Christ, the veil is lifted. Praise God. Now, let's go on. There are two sons that were the sons. uh, Well, excuse me. let me, Let me just say this. There were two sons that were the sons of love and grace. In other words, Leah represented the law but Rachel represented grace. Rachel was the one that Jacob loved. Now, in this passage, Jacob is typical of Father God. God loved grace. There are two sons. We're talking about righteous brothers today, so keep, just keep that kind of tucked away in there, we're talking about righteous brothers. And so there are two sons that were the sons of love and grace. Rachel being love and grace. Now, Rachel means this, a you. Now, you may not think that's anything special to be named after a female sheep. But, uh, but Rachel... uh, Her name meant a you, which that spoke of blessing. That that spoke of of increase. That spoke of prosperity. That spoke of you know uh, that was a good thing. In you know it's kind of like Solomon talking about his love. Her neck's like a tower. And her, you know, and uh, all of these kinds of things. She's like a gazelle, and 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 you know, you might if you understood the 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 language back then and and what those things meant, you would understand that was a good thing. That was you know, and but here to be a you, that was a good thing. Praise God, praise God. Now there were two sons that were the sons of love and. And grace, and I don't mean love and grace is two people. Love and grace go together. We we have grace because we are loved. Praise God. So Rachel was Jacob's choice from the very beginning. 
Matthew chapter 9, verse number 10. It says, Now it happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house, that behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus heard that. He said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy. Mercy is another one of those words that goes right along with grace. Grace and mercy. What's the difference in grace and mercy? Well, grace is that you get what you didn't deserve. Mercy is you didn't get what you did deserve. So mercy is just the flip side of, of, of grace. And so here he says, go and find out what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. All right, mercy goes along with grace. Sacrifice goes along with law. So you had to sacrifice to please God. And to sacrifice something. Many of us, we have a sacrifice kind of mentality. You know, I need to sacrifice more. That's what religion will tell you. You need to sacrifice more to be pleasing to God. But here he says, go and find out what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. I did not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. Praise God. Now, Joseph was the first son of Rachel, the first son, you know, and in fact, for a period of time, if you are the first, you are the only, right? Anybody the oldest son or the oldest child in your family? Anybody? If you were the oldest, there was a period of time that you were the only. You were the only begotten. Joseph, for a period of time, was the only begotten son from Rachel. And so being the only begotten, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes upon him would not perish, but have everlasting life. In fact, in this story, all the way through, you can see those who would believe upon him, those who would go to Joseph. We know the story how that Joseph went down to Egypt, and he came. He, he, he ended up being thrown in prison down there, and then he was brought out of prison and was exalted to be uh, the second in command in, in, in all of the land of Egypt. Now, how many know that Jesus came and Jesus was, you know, the, the prison sentence of Joseph typified Jesus in the fact that he was uh, crucified, died, was buried. There's, there's prison. And then he rose from the dead. That is rising out of prison, praise God, to be at the right hand of the Father. So he was... He, he was raised up from the prison to be the second only to the Father himself. Praise God. So we see the type in Joseph. But, uh, you know, 
Joseph being the type of Christ. Now, I want you to see this. According to this world, we are seen as the sons of sorrow. Because the name, um, the name Benjamin, well, I'm jumping ahead of myself. Let me come back to this in just a minute. But, but Joseph was, a, was raised up to be second in, in command. Then Rachel bore another son by the name of Benjamin. Praise God. And we've talked all through this series on righteous brothers, how that Jesus is no longer the only begotten son of God. And Christians have no problem saying, I'm a, I'm a child of God. But somehow they think that you're being sacrilegious or blasphemous to say, I'm a son of God. But isn't a son, isn't a son a child? Isn't a child either a son or a daughter? And so, uh, you know, we are, we are Benjamin. Now the name Benjamin actually means son of my sorrows. Son of my sorrows. Now, you see, Benjamin was born, and because in, in, in her dying breath, Rachel died after giving birth to Benjamin. And in her dying breath, she called him Ben-Oni, which means son of my sorrows. But his father changed his name. Praise God. Father Jacob changed his name and called him Benjamin. Mother called him Ben-Oni because he cost her his life, her life. So she called him son of my sorrows. But the father said, no, this is the son of my right hand. Now, where is Jesus today? Seated at the right hand of the father. Where are you today? Seated at the right hand of the father in him. Praise God. Praise God. So you are the son of his Right hand. Now get this. According to this world, we are seen as sons of sorrow because we cost Jesus his life. But Father God called us sons of his right hand. Hallelujah. Praise God. You see, when we begin to realize how Father God feels about us, how he sees us. Now notice, we cost Jesus his life. Now many people say, well, the Jews killed Jesus. No, you and I killed Jesus. We were all responsible for killing Jesus. Actually, we didn't kill him. He laid down his life for us. But he died because of us. He did it willingly, but he laid down his life for us. And therefore, we could be called the sons of sorrow because it cost Jesus his life. 
Our sonship cost Jesus his life. But Father God didn't call us sons of sorrow. You remember this? Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Father didn't call us sons of sorrow. He calls us sons of his right hand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, Isaiah chapter 41, verse number 10. says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Now, righteous simply means, to, to be righteous means to be in right standing with. How many know Jesus is in right standing with the Father. But how many know that you are too? Praise God. Because you are in Christ, not on your own effort, but because of Jesus, you are also in right standing with the Father. So, he says, he will uphold you with his righteous right hand. Praise God. Jesus... And you are righteous brothers. Praise God. Praise God. Now, the mother's side was sorrowful, but then the father's and the mother's side said, then he said to them, My soul, notice this, Jesus says this. My soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch with me. Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross. He says, my soul is sorrowful unto death. Now, that's the, that's the mother's side speaking. But here's what the father's side said. The divine side of Jesus said, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, that he raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus at his right hand. Praise God. Matthew chapter 25, verse number 34, then the king will say to those on his right hand, now notice, notice what he said. I, I, I picked this up yesterday as I was studying this. I picked this up right here. The king will say to those, you don't call one person a those, do you? Those is, is, is plural. That means there's more than one. So notice here, the king will say to those on his right hand. Now, if it had just been Jesus at the right hand, he would have said, now the king will say to him on his right hand. But he said, the king will say to those on his right hand, come, notice this. So he's talking about those. Who is the rest of those? We know Jesus is one of them. Well, you're the rest of those. Praise God. So the king will say to those on his right hand, notice what he says here, come you blessed of my father. Blessed, my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. This is what God has prepared for you. Praise God. 
Colossians chapter 3, verse number 1. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Hallelujah. Now, I want you to notice something here. Remember there are 12, 12 sons, 12 brothers. Now, two of them had the same mother. So, if you got the same father but different mothers, in fact, these 12 sons were actually of four different mothers. And so, here we see that um, if you've got a sibling that you only share one parent with, you, call, you would call them a half-brother. Now, I mean, you know, maybe you don't make that distinction. Maybe, you know, and that's great if you don't. But, but, but the fact of the matter is they are a half-brother or a half-sister. So, in other words, of the 12, 10 were half-brothers. 10 of them were born as a result of self-effort. Two were from the mother that represented grace. Two were full brothers. Those two were full brothers. And then notice here, Joseph and Benjamin were favored because they were sons of Rachel or Grace, the favored wife. Praise God. And then Joseph was sold out by his half-brothers. Now, that, that talks about Jesus, right? Jesus came into this world. He was supposed to be the son of Joseph, but we all know that he was not the son of Joseph. He was really the son of God and Mary. He was not the son of Joseph. And so therefore, to the Jews, he was a half-brother. He wasn't, he wasn't the, off, the natural offspring of Abraham. The spiritual offspring of Abraham, but he was not the natural offspring of Abraham. And so therefore, he was a half-brother. And so Joseph, as a type of Christ was sold into slavery by his half-brothers. Now, when Joseph went down to Egypt, Bible tells us that, you know, he became Potiphar's servant, served in Potiphar's house until there was a, a, a lie that was told, and because of the lie, he ended up in prison. And... Uh, then he was brought out of prison. We already talked about that. Brought out of prison into uh, Pharaoh's palace. Became second in command only to Pharaoh. In fact, he said, I have become a father unto Pharaoh. That's, that was what his own words were. But uh, when he was promoted to the second in command over the land of Egypt, he preserved life. Uh, you know, for, uh, his, for his own family, 
as well as many, many more. But he was given the name Zephnath Paneah. Zephnath Paneah. Now, if you've ever seen uh, the, the movie called Joseph, he's riding on a chariot through, you know, after he's been promoted, he's riding on a chariot through among the, the people, and they're bowing and saying, Zephnath Paneah, Zephnath Paneah, and, you know. Um, but the, the name Zephnath Paneah literally means, it's an Egyptian name, but here's what it means, Savior of the world. Savior of the world. So Joseph, you can see the, the, the typology here throughout this. Joseph is promoted. Jesus was promoted out of prison from the resurrection from the dead to be the Savior of the world. Hallelujah. Joseph was called the Savior of the world. We are Benjamin... Son of God's right hand, full righteous brothers of Joseph called Zephnath Paneah, which is translated Savior of the world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, in Genesis chapter 30, and I'm not going to read this because there's a lot there, but I encourage you to go back and read Genesis chapter 30, and I want you to see something here that a competition began to develop between Rachel and Leah. Competition for the favor of Jacob. Um, and both of them, see, Leah was the first to bear children to Jacob. And as, as she bore children to Jacob, she bore four four sons to Jacob. And then Rachel got the bright idea, well, I can't bear children for my husband, so therefore I will give him my maid, Billah. And so maybe he, he can have sons from Billah, and maybe I can give him sons in that way. And so, Billah did give Jacob two sons. Well, then Leah, now she's jealous because Jacob loves Leah more than he does me, or loves Rachel more than he does me, which she didn't realize he did all along in the first place. But... You know, he, he always loved Rachel. God has always loved grace. Praise God. And so then Leah says, okay, my maid Zilpah, see, Leah had, had stopped bearing children at this time. So she says, okay, Rachel is loved more than me because of Billah, so now I'm going to give him Zilpah. And Zilpah can bear sons for him. So Zilpah bears two more sons, and then Leah's womb is opened again, and she bears two more sons. And now we're at 11 sons, or 10 sons, rather, 10 sons, and then Rachel conceives, 
and bears Joseph. And then uh, what I want you to see here is the competition that begins to break out. Here's what always happens when you have grace and law. Is you have those that are under law, you know, they begin to, or anytime we've got law, we begin to see a competition taking place, you know, or what do I need to do to gain more favor with God? And this is what religion will tell you, you need to pray harder. You need to read your Bible more. You need to, you need to go to church more often. You need to give more tithes. You need to be nicer to people. You need to help little ladies across the street. You need to start doing all these things. You need to, it's do, 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 do. The more you can do, the more favor you supposedly have because that is the whole basis of what law is all about, is I do to please God. And this is what we see with the competition that began to break out, you know, well, I will give him this, and therefore he will love me. But how many know God loved you the whole time? Hallelujah. He wasn't waiting for you to do something more. He loved you from the very beginning. Praise God. He loved you even when you were yet a sinner that Christ died for you. Praise God. Praise God. Now, sometimes grace doesn't get quick results. Realize there were 10 sons born before grace ever birthed the first son. 10 sons that were born. Sometimes preachers get tempted when they're preaching and people's lives are not being changed. They're preaching grace and they're not seeing a change in people's lives. And then they begin to say, okay, well, we just need to preach a little harder. We need to preach a little more condemnation. And, and the, the tendency is when we don't get quick enough results for our satisfy us, we don't get quick enough results, the tendency is then to revert back to law, to revert back to condemnation. Well, what we think is grace needs a little help. We think we need to give God the, the maid because, because we need some help here. We, we need to, you know, we need to do more. God says, I love you just like you are. I love you right where you are, and don't worry, there will be results. Praise God. There will be results. Now, law could get some results. If it didn't get any results at all, nobody would ever do it. Law sometimes gets quicker results than grace does, but it doesn't get long-lasting results. It doesn't get 
it doesn't get good results. The results end up bringing you into bondage. And, and uh, so grace requires patience sometimes. Praise God. So we're going to preach grace because it's going to get the results we want. Hallelujah. Not just some. See, some people are just satisfied with some results. Just some results. It may not be the results they want, but they're just satisfied with some results. But we need to be through faith and patience we inherit the promise. Praise God. We put our faith in Jesus and we walk in patience and we get the desired results. Sometimes grace is a little slow. Praise God. Because here's the tendency. When you start preaching grace to people and they know that I'm not under law anymore, the first thing is to run off and do all the things that the, that law said they couldn't do. Then they wake up and they come and they, they come back to grace. They come back under grace again. When they realize I ran off and did all the things that law said I couldn't do, God loved me anyway. God still loved me while I did that. He, he still loved me while I was out there messing up. And then they come back and they begin to realize I love him more now than ever. Praise God. Praise God. I tried to love God and I couldn't. Then he said I didn't have to. And now I do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, the law said you shall love the Lord your God. You shall. It's a commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your might. And so you tried real hard to do that. And you just couldn't do it. And then he says, grace is not about you keeping a commandment to love. Grace is about knowing you are loved, and when you know you are loved unconditionally, then you love. Who will love him more? Those who have been forgiven more. That's what Jesus said. Praise God. Who will love more? Those, you know, Jesus said even sinners love those who love them. So I figured out if I convince sinners that they're loved, they'll love God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Father, we just thank you today. We thank you that you love us so much. Father, we thank you that you have made us righteous brothers with Jesus. We thank you that we are sons of your right hand. Your right hand speaking of your favor. We are sons of your right hand of favor. Hallelujah. If you believe the message that we've shared today, if you believe that God has favored you, to the, de to the degree which He has, He has favored you to the degree that He sent Jesus to die on a cross for you. If you believe
that Jesus paid the penalty for you to preserve your life. If you believe that, you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. You've never accepted Jesus as your personal Savior. I want to help you to do that today. If you believe what we've preached today about Jesus and about that you are accepted of God, that yes, you are a son of sorrow, but God has called you a son of his right hand. If you believe that message, you want to choose Jesus today. I want to ask everyone in this room and those of you that are watching online today, I want to ask you to pray this prayer with me right now. And if you pray this prayer, you believe what you're saying. God's word says you will be saved. Praise God. It's just that simple. And he is not a man that he should lie. Praise God. So let's just pray this together. I want to invite everyone and ask everyone in here to pray this along with me. Maybe you already have. That's all right. Let's all pray it together. Say with me. Say, God in heaven, I thank you that you sent your son Jesus, the heavenly Joseph. He came and died on a cross for me. He was raised from the dead so I could have new life. And today I choose to put my trust in Jesus for my salvation. Jesus, I trust you that you paid for my sins just like you said you did. And I trust you for my salvation today. And now I can call God my Father. Lord Jesus, we are now righteous brothers. Thank you for coming into my life. Thank you for saving me. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you would like more information about Word of Life Church, please visit us on the web at wolcarlsbad.com. Thank you and have a great week.